It's the week we were told to drop everything for a major World Cup announcement in Kansas City. Every political leader in town for the breaking news. But what did we actually learn? Plus, it's a week for political payback on both sides of state line. And big developments on the way. From plans for a new arena at UMKC to breaking ground on what is being called America's first entertainment district over a river. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. Co-Trustees, The Restaurant at 1900, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Glad you could join us on our weekly journey through the week's most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories. Riding on the Week in Review bus this week is KCUR News Director Lisa Rodriguez, former star news titan Dave Helling, Kevin Collison from City Scene KC and KMBC9 political analyst Michael Mahoney. Now it is rare for both of our governors to come together. It's rarer still for nearly every local leader and the heads of our top sports teams to join them on the same stage. This week we were told to drop everything for a major World Cup announcement. What did we though find out this week that was so earth-shattering it required pretty much every powerful elected official in the region to join hands at Arrowhead Stadium this week, Michael? Um, to uh, announce the brand for the World Cup uh, KC. In fact, there are there were simultaneous announcements all across the country at the 11 different cities uh, that are going to be hosting World Cup games here in the United States. I thought the news that came out of it, and it was uh, pretty vague at, at the time, was the fact that the city of Kansas City is going to issue a request for proposals for some sort of public transit between the KCI airport and downtown. And that's all that was mentioned about it. And uh, Perhaps Clay Chastain's dream can come true. We'll have a light rail finally from the airport uh, to downtown. Downtown I think for we're the World Cup with a monorail if it's clay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, yeah, that's too pedestrian. Uh. But, but Lisa, I was expecting, you know, we're going to be op opening ceremonies for the World Cup, the closing ceremonies, the final, perhaps a rolling roof over Arrowhead Stadium, and yet they're just talking about branding and a new board of directors, and yet we're supposed to drop everything for that announcement. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fanfare for for stuff that feels a little mundane. I, I'm sure it's it's significant progress in the planning for a massive event, but is it something for Kansas City to get truly excited about? I think it fell short. It's interesting because the governors were both there. We've had more than $62 million from Kansas and Missouri, most of it coming from Missouri, now being spent to help uh, renovate the Arrowhead Stadium so it can actually host uh, FIFA games there for the World Cup. But it's amazing that they found more than $50 million in Jefferson City when they can't afford a lot of other basic programs in, in Missouri. When mo a lot of people uh, don't even care about soccer, why were they willing to do that, Dave? Well, in part because they're flush, like most states. Okay. Missouri has tons of money that it would not ordinarily have. And they've been handing out uh, uh, money like candy down in Jeff City. Lincoln Huff, who's the chairman of the budget committee, has been writing checks to just about every lawmaker, and this $50 million is part of that. That's an important thing. By the way, we should get used to news conferences like this between now and the event, <laughs> yep. because everyone's yep. going to want to take credit for it. Um, you, shouldn't it use, does, you shouldn't use the words major event next yeah, to it, major but it, announcement. Right, but it does solve the $50 million problem, which we've talked about on this show before, Nick, is where's the money going to come from for the 
for the uh, improvements at Arrowhead Stadium that are essential for the World Cup uh, games to be played out there. And now we know that the state of Missouri and then Kansas is kicking in 10 million for the practice facility uh, on the Kansas side. So I, I, it isn't clear that's the end of the ask. Uh, that there may be more money involved and Kevin talked a little bit about uh, public transit from the airport to downtown that's a two billion dollar project that almost certainly if it's fixed rail uh, almost certainly will never take And apparently place. we're not going to know about how many games even we're going to get until later this year now so uh, that was taken off uh, the news cycle this week too Michael. Yeah in the, the the, the big goal, I was going to say home run, but the, 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 the big uh, goal for Kansas City would be to get some quarterfinal games. And th that's their goal. They're not going to get semifinals. They're certainly not going to get the final. Uh, but they, if they could get quarterfinal games, that would be and a delight. Perhaps the biggest win, though, for Kansas City is if they could get people to go to downtown businesses at this event, Lisa, because that was the big complaint, of course, during the NFL during, draft that nobody went draft. to the downtown businesses. Yeah, I think that'll be key and I think that we'll see um, more progress on that in, in the years to come but certainly I think people after the draft will be looking for a plan that that guarantees a little bit more traffic downtown that people will be spending time and money and eating and enjoying the city. Yeah, it's going to be very different from the draft. It was a, it basically one confined space at Union Station and the World War I uh, Memorial. In this case, people are going to be staying in hotels pretty much all around the metro, and, they're going, and there is going to be a more opportunity, I, I think, for other retail businesses uh, to, uh, to take a, see a benefit from it. Well, just one signature now stands in the way of Missouri enacting new restrictions on the transgender community. While Governor Parson was in Kansas City this week, two bills were sitting on his desk back in Jefferson City. One prohibits transgender athletes from competing in women's sports. A second measure bans transition-related medical care for minors in a preemptive move. The Kansas City Council has voted to create a safe haven for transgender residents. The council ordinance would block local and uh, police and local prosecutors from enforcing the new state rules. That puts us in uncharted territory. Can a local mayor, Dave Helling, decide what laws he wants to follow and what laws he doesn't? No. Uh, although uh, the Missouri legislature has, uh, has no cause for complaint since it routinely tells the federal government what laws it will and will not enforce. So uh, we don't, don't need to go down that road. This is largely symbolic. It will almost certainly be challenged in court if there is any affirmative attempt to enforce the local ordinance. Uh, there is some play in the joints. There is local home rule that allows cities to do things independent of the legislature, but you could uh, almost certainly expect a legal fight if there's an attempt to aggressively enforce And what proposal. will happen even in Jefferson City? We heard one legislator already saying we need to cut funding uh, to Kansas City. You know, they shouldn't be getting any state funding. Can the legislature do that? Yes, yeah, certainly they can. What's, uh, what's going to happen here, uh, to, uh, sort of uh, bounce off Dave's uh, point, point on this, this is sort of going to be like when Kansas City was not enforcing marijuana laws uh, before the uh, recreational legalization of it. And so we'll see if there's an aggressive uh, approach to it by the city, then it could end up in court. But if it's passive, not so much. Couldn't the state also hire a special prosecutor to just to take over cases that the Jackson County prosecutor perhaps wouldn't now take on because of this. 
I mean, they've they've uh, they've taken that action before in St. Louis. So there are lots of tools and mechanisms by which lawmakers in Jefferson City can punish Kansas City for a move like this. Like my colleagues said, in through the court system, through funding, they could come back next session and say Kansas City just simply can't do that. You don't have the authority. So there's there's lots of potential. One thing I want to add too, and I, I agree with Dave, it's pretty symbolic. We've had nuclear free zones. We've had we're not going to enforce ICE regulations. I mean, these are very popular with a more liberal city base, but also it continues to antagonize the relationship between Kansas City and Jeff City. I mean, the mayor really set off the hounds a, a year or two ago when he tried to change the funding arrangement for the police department. And that just set up all kinds of bills that ended up penalizing the city. So I don't know how you can find a successful rapport between a more liberal city and a very conservative state. Every part of the Midwest is going through this, but it does not help in any kind of a rapprochement between uh, Jeff City and uh, Kansas City. Political payback can be a bipartisan affair and a bi-state one. This week, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoes what you'd think would be a slam-dunk measure for Democrats, $250,000 in state money to greenlight development of the Quindaro ruins in Kansas City, Kansas, an historic site that was a key stop on the so-called Underground Railroad that helped transport slaves to safety. If you come back here, you'll see it's also a pretty awesome place to hide escaped slaves. What happened here really represents the country at its best. So why the veto? Ah, oh, its sponsor was Marvin Robinson, the lone Democratic state lawmaker who vetoed, uh, voted rather with Republicans to pass sweeping transgender restrictions on the Kansas side of state line. The Quindera ruins are in his district. I thought Laura Kelly, Dave, said she was governing from the middle. Surely she wouldn't torpedo development of an African-American historic site as political payback. Yeah, I think she's claiming that it's unrelated to uh, the, uh, the votes uh, by Representative Robinson, but it doesn't seem that that's actually the case. This is clear punishment. It's really a bad look for Laura Kelly in my view. I mean, I, I, I you know, $250,000 isn't gonna break the bank one way or the other. Quindaro remains an extraordinarily important part of the local economy. And uh, to, uh, in essence, punish the Democrats for something Republicans came up with seems like uh, short-sighted, to say the least. I think it certainly could be a bad look for Kelly, but it, I mean, it has politics written all over it. The funding for this was introduced by a senator as sort of a thank you for for the vote for for Marvin Robinson uh, on these trans uh, regulations. So, it's I mean, it's all politics. Does it? You know, it was it was offered up as a favor. It was knocked down by Governor Kelly. I think ultimately Kelly will be. It's it's a bad look. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly may not be able to spare $250,000 for the Quindaro ruins, but she did find $4 million between the cushions for turning an old decrepit bridge into the Metro's latest entertainment destination. Kelly broke ground this week on the Rock Island Bridge Project. If you're not familiar with it, this is the decommissioned bridge that once connected the West Bottoms near the former Kemper Arena with KCK. It's expected to open next year as a tourist spot with bars, eateries, and even a zip line. They're claiming there's nothing Nothing like it in the country. Is there a reason, though, why no other city, Kevin, may have wanted to load up an old bridge with restaurants and bars and <laughs> loads of people over a big stretch of uh, water? You know, whether this thing is going to be replicated in other places, I don't know. 
But it does come at a time the West Bottoms is really seeing a resurgence in investment. There's a lot of new housing going in down there. But, but we're also told, I mean, there was a story not long ago about Hy-Vee Arena struggling uh, and whether they were going to sell Hy-Vee Arena. They weren't getting as much traffic as they wanted. Is there enough folks going down to that section of the city? I can't really tell you how Hy-Vee has bounced back. I think COVID had a lot to do with that. And I think from what the developer told me, they just threw the idea out a year or two ago about putting it on the market. Uh, I don't know. I, when we went down for the Laura Kelly thing uh, at the bridge, there were hundreds of proud parents watching their high school kids graduate from there. So he is putting events in there. But whether the West Bottoms is at a point now where somebody in Prairie Village or Overland Park is going to say, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to drive down to the bottoms and hang out on a bridge and have a beer and watch the Caw River, I don't know. Uh, can I see you doing that, Lisa? <laughs> I think I think possibly I think it's a it's a cool idea. I think that the 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 mix of preserving something that that is is iconic that people fami are familiar with in Kansas City is very popular. I think that's something that um, that will attract people purely because it's something they haven't seen before. As we're talking about big development, here's a new one we could never have anticipated. A new arena, move over T-Mobile Center and Hy-Vee Arena. UMKC wants to build a 5,000-seat venue for sports games and events. It would be built right next to the new extended streetcar line that will end on the UMKC campus. Kevin, how many arenas do we actually need, and what will this <laughs> arena do that all the others in Kansas City do not do? Well, I know there's been many people trying to get arenas built in this metro. Uh, you know, the, the the one thing the UMKC proposal would have would be a really strong tenant. Uh, you know, they would have both the um, Division I men's and women's basketball team and the Division I volleyball team and all the practices, etc. It'll be interesting. UMKC in recent years has not had the greatest track record with uh, RFPs. They wanted to get a new conservatory built for, your, for the uh, music department. That never really panned out. They've wanted to get somebody to come in and do Epperson House for them. That really hasn't gone. Uh, what will be interesting here is, though, that, that, you know, a developer could come along and the streetcar will certainly be a very dynamic source of people moving up and down and they would have a tenant. And apparently this is being pushed from what I've been told by a lot of alumni who really think that if UMKC wants to get serious about Division I sports, they need to have something more than the uh, Swinney or Swiney, whatever it's pronounced, rec center. Do you, you know, we've also got the new Riverfront Stadium for Casey Current coming into play. They also want to use that for, for smaller events, too. That's part of the play to get public dollars for that. Also, we could be having a downtown ballpark. That would also be a space for these smaller types of events and concerts. How, how many of these centers do we actually need in Kansas City? I, th I think we're hitting critical ma mass with this, um, you know, and you haven't even mentioned uh, the arena in Independence where the minor league hockey team plays. Uh, so, so we'll see, you know, uh, you can't, you just can't throw them up everywhere and expect all of them to succeed. Now, perhaps this new UMKC arena could play host to all the concerts and shows T-Mobile Center will no longer be able to host now that it'll become home to America's newest NHL team. Did you see that story this week? The Arizona Coyotes may be ready to relocate after voters reject a $2 billion new arena plan. Both Mayor Quinton Lucas and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes now trying to convince the National Hockey League that Kansas City would be a great new place for the Coyotes to play. By the way, that's exactly what officials in Houston, Atlanta, and Salt Lake City are also saying today. Is the idea plausible or ridiculous, Dave? It's not ridiculous, but it is a long shot, to say the least. 
one of the important things, though, to note with this story, Nick, and you mentioned it, is that the voters in Arizona rejected, flatly rejected, uh, I think it was $2.3 billion in an entertainment district in a new arena for this hockey Which team. was also privately funded. Uh, yes. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. You know, does it have any uh, implication for what we're contemplating in terms of downtown baseball in Kansas City? The answer is yes. And by the way, we talked about Missouri kicking in $50 million for Arrowhead. To my knowledge, there was no discussion this year in Jefferson City of providing money for the Royal Stadium in Kansas City, which almost certainly will have to be a part of the package. Uh, there's a reason why talk of downtown baseball has really gone on the back burner, and the voter sentiment in Arizona is one good I, I, example. I was also of what's actually going looking, on. I looked at a, several reports from Arizona as to why it failed, and, and when they talked to people on the street, one of the others were the Coyotes were playing so terribly. Okay? Yeah. So that's another analogy to yeah, what's yeah, happening with yeah, the Royals here you know, in Kansas I, City. I, I disagree with my uh, uh, esteemed colleague over here. The reason okay. the Royals ballpark talks have gone quiet is everybody's waiting to see what the Chiefs want to do. This has never been a solo act by the Royals about building a ballpark. These two teams are joined at the hip. Until we know what the Chiefs want to do, everything is moot. And there's obviously not going to be any kind of a vote this year with, with folks. And when there is a vote, it's going to include the Chiefs, which are a lot more popular than the Royals these days. a lot more expensive. And the money that will be required for both the Chiefs and the Royals is almost unfathomable at this point. And the price point for a uh, uh, hockey league ticket is not cheap. And the other, the, the other thing is, is that the T-Mobile Center right now is extremely successful and extremely busy with, uh, with concerts uh, almost uh, 52 weeks uh, out of the year. They do not need a winter tent like an NBA or an, L or an NHL team to uh, be financially feasible. Did you know that there are only two states in the country that have refused to pass laws banning texting and driving? Now, Montana is one of them. The other is Missouri. While Missouri prohibits drivers under 21 from texting in their vehicles, the law doesn't apply to adults. Is that about to change this week before wrapping up their session? Lawmakers sent to the governor's desk a bill that for the first time will make it illegal for all motorists to text, watch a video, or search something online while driving. Along with lawmakers funding a massive expansion of I-70 from Kansas City to St. Louis. Were those the two biggest changes, Lisa, we'll see as a result of Missouri lawmakers spending the last five months in Jefferson City? Um, I think those were two two wins for, for the legislative session, but I think Republicans will tout the restrictions on gender-affirming care for trans youth and the trans sports ban as their biggest achievements. Certainly, it took up the most oxygen of the legislative session. Certainly, we were here week after week talking about those negotiations, but overall, with, with just those as the wins, there are a lot more losses, a lot of things that did not get done that were Republican priorities. Even if you live in Kansas and are heading to a World Cup game, it will be quicker for you to get to the stadiums because of I-70 expansion, Kevin Collison. And it won't be as dangerous because people can't be texting on their phones to get there as a result of this session. Well, it's, you know, the I-70 thing, boy, there is a tremendous debate out there uh, whether if you add lanes to a highway, whether it does anything to relieve congestion. You know, uh, some people say, why don't you spend the money on improving rail service between St. Louis and Kansas City? On the text thing, I've got to tell you, just from a personal experience, it's just a astonishing that the state of Missouri still allows people to text. Uh, I get, I'm into motorcycling, which kind of elevates me up. It's amazing the number of people I see distracted by their phones. You go to Europe, 
You take a phone call with your cell phone, the police will pull you over right now. The United States and places like Missouri are so far behind the safety curve when it comes to distracted driving, it's ridiculous. I'll tell you, a couple of things that surprised me about the session was, number one, that the initiative petition uh, threshold was not increased, and uh, the secretary, uh, the speaker of the, the, the House said this pretty much guarantees that there's going to be some sort of uh, initiative petition effort in 24 to uh, uh, try to ease Missouri's uh, very tight abortion restrictions. But there's another big failure, Dave. Was it the fact that for the fifth year in a row, lawmakers failed to approve sports betting. Uh, and Michael's already mentioned, of course, the talk about the uh, not getting across the finish line, the opportunity to put those uh, issues on the ballot, have a 57 percent uh, vote needed to pass an amendment in, in the state of Missouri. So if you have an overwhelmingly Republican legislature, those were priorities. Why didn't those pass? Well, in part because whenever one party, and this is true for Democrats too, but in our area, Republicans, whenever, whenever uh, one party has su such uh, homogenous control of the legislature, they end up fighting with themselves more than they do with the other party. And the Democrats weren't going to help the Republicans out of their pickle. So they needed to get the votes. They simply didn't have them. I mean, I'd add to the list of not accomplished uh, tasks is tax cuts. There was some talk yeah. of really reducing taxes, perhaps personal property taxes, other tax relief in Missouri. It didn't happen either. It didn't happen in Kansas either. Didn't happen in Kansas either. With all of this money, they're spending it instead of sending it back to the taxpayers. That's an interesting uh, policy choice to go with all the other things that have been discussed. But the fact of the matter is, in Missouri particularly, and in Kansas, but in Missouri, Republicans are fighting more with themselves than they are with Democrats. That'll play out over the next year in the governor's race. Uh, which is fully joined now, and uh, that's an explanation for some of what we saw in Jeff City, I think. We talked a little bit about elections there and the changes they were trying to make in, in, in the legislature in Missouri, and as we speak about elections, this week was the last chance for the public to weigh in on some big election changes being considered in Kansas City. If you haven't been paying attention, Mayor Quinton Lucas wants to move local elections from April and June. Instead, you would decide mayoral and council races. At the same time, you vote for bigger offices like governor and Congress in August and November. Luke also wants to ditch local runoff elections if a candidate wins more than 50% of the vote in their primary. The mayor is in a rush to get the changes approved so they can be put before voters on the August ballot. The mayor says he wants to do this to boost turnout. But at what cost, though, Michael? There's um, an effort to uh, try and increase turnout in uh, the local elections where turnout is 20% uh, or less in Kansas City. That's a problem because uh, the uh, turnout in the mayoral elections is the threshold for uh, initiative petitions and recall efforts. They're trying to address that, uh, that as well. We'll see where this goes. Uh, it seems rushed. I also think it seems rushed. I think for uh, five weeks for something that is in the weeds as this, it takes that long to get the word out, to tell people, hey, this is happening and explain why it's important. You know, some of these changes will have significant impacts if they're passed on elections. You know, this idea that um, if a candidate gets 50% of the vote in the primary, they cancel the next election just places such such extreme importance on a primary election, which are which we know are historically not as well attended as general elections. I just want to add, I agree with Lisa. I mean, you know, most I didn't even know this thing was underway until it was halfway done. I mean, even and I pay attention to the news, but you know, we talk about voting. I, one quick thought, you know, I just if if there's anything I've learned over 20 years before being a reporter here is we really need structural 
reform of City Hall. We, we need, we've got diffused authority every place. We've got a city manager, we've got a weak mayor, we've got an independent police department, and even an effort to bring in the Parks Department got shot down. Yeah. I would love to see a proposal to just scrap city manager, strong mayor form of government. We need executive authority in this community, and until we get that, we're floundering. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? A grisly discovery next to the sports stadiums. A baby found dead in the woods. Today on Mother's Day, there's at least one mother who is without their baby. We want to um, devote every resource we have to, uh, to figuring out no matter what the explanation is. The younger brother of Patrick Mahomes has his day in court. He's charged with sexual battery for allegedly forcibly kissing an Overland Park restaurant owner. An independence man arrested and charged for making death threats against Weekend Review guest and radio host Dana Wright. Protests over racism at Olathe South High School. Some parents wanting the principal fired for not doing enough to stem the problem. Those traffic snarls at KCI now getting attention from City Hall. The council planning a formal review as pickup woes continue. The race for Missouri governor now getting more crowded. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe officially launching his campaign this week. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is already in the race. And Hawley's manhood now on display. The Missouri Senator's much talked about book on manhood hits the shelves this week. Alrighty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? You're going to go to me first? Of course I'm going to go to you first. Now, the Shawnee Mission Post actually mm. had a significant update this week in um, Johnson County Sheriff uh, Calvin Hayden's investigation into a local election fraud. He said publicly that he sent more than a dozen incidences of, of fraud to the district attorney. A records request turned up just one that the district attorney said had no evidence enough to bring charges. Michael. Mine is, uh, is, is going to be the same one that uh, Kevin is going to pick, and that is the uh, cluster that is uh, the parking up at uh, KCI right now. Well, he's a, a soothsayer, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, you know, I was just up there a week ago. It was 11.30 at night. The cell lot was an absolute catastrophe, jammed, people circling, finally got out backed up at least a quarter mile to get there. And when you finally get there, you got some guys directing traffic that I wouldn't trust being school crossing guards. And no authority, no ability to enforce it. Right now, we're really squandering what should be a wonderful launch of a brand new, terrific facility. And Dave? Uh, I think the Mike Keogh announcement was interesting because he is really under the radar, but he is by far, by far the most moderate Republican uh, perhaps in Missouri, certainly in this field, uh, a likely field for the 2024 race. And uh, if he can prevail in the primary, it will say something important about uh, the Republican Party in Missouri. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Kevin Collison from the news site City Scene KC from Channel 9 News, Michael Mahoney and news icon Dave Helling. Next week, it's all hands on deck around here as we prepare to bring you Celebration at the Station, the region's biggest live Memorial Day event with fireworks and the Kansas City Symphony. That means we will not have a show next week. We'll see you on the flip side. I'm Nick Haynes. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.